So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. I got a review here from Heather Vaughn, five stars. She says, great course, and she's talking about this certified buyer agent course. She has said, I enjoyed the course, and though some of the information I knew, there were many great nuggets I picked out. I would have liked some sort of official certificate emailed so I could use the certified buyer agent designation on social media, produce my new skill level, as well as Rebus University. Well, here's the thing, Heather. We do that, and you should have gotten one. So I am going to make sure that someone reached out to you and got this to you because uh, that should happen automatically. So thank you so much, Heather, for the feedback. And congratulations on graduating to the Certified Buyer Agent. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, guys, well, we've tried the new show for a number of episodes, and the downloads have spoken. You guys love this show. Wow, I am so honored that we can do an engaging and fun and current show that agents from all over the world are listening to and learning from about what's happening in our beloved real estate industry. So we're going to keep it up. We're excited, and welcome to today's State of the Market. Welcome, Rockstar Nation. Thanks for tuning into the State of the Market Podcast with your host, Pat Hyben and Kevin Kaufman. All right, Rockstar Nation, welcome to State of the Market. I am here with my cohort, Mr. Kevin Kaufman. Kevin, what's up, buddy? You're out last week with the, the deathly flu. What happened, bro? Dude, I was laid up in bed. I am so glad to be amongst the living again. I rarely get sick, and I was I was out for basically five, six days. Jeez, it's funny. You know, getting sick is such an odd thing, right? Because I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a hypochondriac when I'm sick. I think I'm dying. You know, I think I'm like, I got, it's not just the flu. It's like, like 12 forms of cancer or whatever, and I'm never going to get better. And then when you get better, it's like, it's for me again, it's just like a shock. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe how great I feel. I came out of that. I'm strong, you know? Dude, I asked my wife, I was like, I don't think this is the man flu, right? I don't just have the man flu. Like I'm actually not feeling well, right? And she uh, laughed. She got a kick out of that. But yeah, man, I'm glad to be back and feeling much better today. That's awesome, dude. Well, let's let's kick off some news. I want to talk briefly first, because we got a lot of other news, so I'm not going to spend too much time on about it, but NAR did uh, issue a response to their lawsuit publicly, you know, at a, at a in a convention format, right? The annual Association of Executive Institute event. And they basically came out 
And, you know, they said, look, first of all, we're going to motion to dismiss this thing. This thing is frivolous. And, you know, all the lawyers that you can read about online basically saying, well, it's very hard to dismiss an antitrust lawsuit. I mean, these things rarely get dismissed. So that's unlikely that's going to happen. But they're like, we're not worried about it. We're not sweating about it. And we're going to win. So they're very confident. And their big thing is this. And if guys, if you didn't hear this, you know, go back a couple of state of the market episodes. You'll hear, you know, a couple of discussions about this. I think it was, it was two or three episodes ago where Nolly Williams and I were talking about this. The, you know, their big thing is, yes, we have told agents that they have to compensate the buyer agent, right? They're not denying that they have told agents that they have to compensate the buyer agent. What they're denying is that, the, what the, is that they told the agent what to compensate. And I, I would agree with that. They, you know, NAR did not say you can compensate as little as a penny. Now, you know, I don't think there's an agent out there that would have the balls big enough to, to compensate a penny because of the backlash from the agent community. And, and so the fact that the agent community feels rightful enough to backlash an agent for compensating a penny, right? For sending them letters, for calling them, for calling their broker, for complaining to their broker, to, to complaining to the board, you know, makes you think that maybe there is something wrong with the system, right? If like, it's kind of like, complaining nowadays about someone who has different political views than you. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You just, you, you can bitch about it, but you can't, you know, call someone in charge of something at a job or, or in charge of someone at a school or whatever and say, you know, this guy thinks differently than me. And it's the same thing. And, but agents feel entitled to be able to do that, to be able to bitch and complain that another agent at another company uh, is charging a lower co-op. And I think that that's what they're saying. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's just a fascinating to, to pop popcorn and watch, sit back and watch this thing. Well, you know, Pat, I, I think the thing that you hit on is that it, it is interesting and maybe our system isn't great. Maybe it's not perfect. It works right now. Who knows what will happen with it? You know, there's, you and I talked about this too. I think after the, you had Nolly on, he, he was there when I couldn't make it. I was out of town. Yeah, uh, you guys initially talked about that, but then you and I talked about it the following week, just for a touch, which was uh, that first of all, these things take a long time, right? Like the, these these types of court cases could take years, and obviously, NAR is the most well-funded lobbying group on the hill in Washington D.C. And so I say all that not from like a cocky, hey, we're going to always be protected standpoint, because I don't think that that's true. I think our days are probably numbered in that standpoint. However, there is a long-standing record record of this, and, and the way with the way it's been accepted by basically universally everybody in the country. And so, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know that our co-op system is great. I don't know that it's not great. It might just be, you know, not to go political here, but it's probably like capitalism. It's just less worse than the other options. It's mm. not that it's great. Mm. It's just less worse than say. You know, I'm not even going to go into it because uh, it's <laughs> not a political topic. Yeah, right? you'll get, no, you'll get you'll the, the, you'll get ostracized just for <laughs> you know not explaining yourself enough. <laughs> yeah, so 
So, you know, I have a feeling that maybe that could be true with our system, with this co-op system, that it's just kind of less worse. It's not actually great, but it's it's the best of the bad options we have. So, but, yeah. you know, not too dissimilar. You and I both were taking note of an, an article we saw on, on Inland. I think it was just posted uh, late last night or early this morning about, you know, like what's going on with the independent contractor status. There's been a couple court cases now there's another court case with like purple bricks is getting sued and there's been a few others in california over the last couple of years around what truly is an independent contractor and while purple bricks is definitely one example and i think with their kind of newer model to the industry that they're going to raise a whole bunch of other questions but what you and i talked about and they have thought about ourselves over the years is the what about with the teams, right? Because we're independent contractors for the most part. You know, 99% of us in this industry are, are independent contractors, and a lot of us are on teams or we have teams. And there are some teams that I would say are stricter and probably have more employee-type rules mm. than what the law would really allow for with an independent contractor status. And that's definitely being called into question quite a bit. Yeah. And, and so you know anyone with a team blur if, if you gave me 10 teams right and i just randomly picked a team and dropped in on them i could probably prove that they're breaking the laws you know that it, it the lines have blurred all across uh, all industries but with real estate teams right so the, the whole thing of the independent contractor was you know i'm a broker and I got a bunch of licenses and you guys go out and do whatever the hell you want and just sell to your friends and family. And every agent sells 20 houses a year, uh, 10 to 20 houses a year. And that's it, right? They're all independent contractors, right? I agree with that. And so what happened was when people started building teams, well, you show up at eight, you prospect to 11, you know, you put in these notes on everybody you talk to you do this, you do that, you do this. I tell you everything you have to do and I can fire you for insubordination, i.e. not prospecting, not, you know, attending training, not that sort of thing, right? Which is un-independent contractor-like, right? I can fire you, yet I'm only going to, I'm going to pay you, you know, commissions instead of a salary. And so... So they're, they're pointing out in these California lawsuits, right? There's, there's basically a very simple method. It's an ABC method. They, and I'm going to just read this real fast, right? The ABC is A, that the worker is free from the control and direction of the hirer, right? Is the worker free from the direction and control of the hirer on a team? Tell me. Well, you know, I think that I certainly know some teams where the answer is absolutely unequivocally no. I mean, you mentioned like, hey, you got to be in here to prospect from this time to this time. Like, I know of teams that quite literally they'll lock the door if you're not there at, you know, whatever the time is, 8.30 or 9 in the morning and, and you can't get in. Like, you can come back after lunch, basically, uh, but you've missed out and you're probably one strike away from being fired. And so I would say in most cases, not all, most that, yeah, most, most people are breaking that rule unequivocally. Yep. Okay, and then B, right, that the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of entity's business, meaning, well, let's say you're a builder, right, and you don't do plumbing. So you yeah. are a plumber, right, because I don't, I don't do plumbing. Now, if I'm a builder and I have an in-house plumber, 
I got to pay that dude a salary. But if I'm building a house and I don't have an in-house plumber that I'm paying a salary, I can use an independent contractor. He can do the plumbing company can do the work. And then that plumbing company has to pay that plumber a salary, right? So this is saying, so I'll ask you this with team, that that worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. Yes or no for teams? I'm not sure if I'm smart enough to know the difference. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, yeah, what's the difference, right? Because what's the difference between a broker and, a, and an agent, right? I mean, the, the broker is saying, okay, I don't, I don't sell. I broker. I train. And then the agent says, okay, I do something different. I sell. Okay, that makes sense. But then if the team, the head team agent, let's say Kevin Kaufman team, if you sell, I think is what it's saying, then why are you hiring an independent contractor? I, I believe that's how it's... Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I mean, most teams break that rule. If that, I mean, if we go with that definition, I would say most teams break that rule. All right, guys, why waste thousands of dollars and countless hours on training that never touches on what matters most, how to make more money in real estate for just $7 you can start a one-week trial at Rebus University today. And what that means is $13,000 worth of real estate courses on how to make more commissions will be available to you for a dollar a day. It's all you can eat. Go in there and take them all if you can. Only seven bucks. To start your seven-day all-access free trial, go to futureofrealestatetraining.com. These courses are guaranteed to get you more listings, more leads, and more commissions. Futureofrealestatetraining.com or just text the word TRIAL to 444-999. That's T-R-I-A-L to 444-999. And, and then the last one, which I really don't understand, it says that the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade. I, I don't Man, know. I, I, I don't know either. What, what I do know is I see teams cross this line. Even if you just look at it from an attack perspective, I've seen it. You know, if there's a sign, I believe there's just different things uh, like assigned seats. Like if you can't have an assigned seat for an independent contractor. You can't have an assigned seat. You can't. Yeah. Can't make them sit somewhere. Can't have required hours. And they're supposed to, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, this, this uh, consultant that they asked about this, and this is a funny statement, she said, this may be a neutron bomb falling on the real estate industry. <laughs> you know, I know that there are a lot of brokerages and brokers out there who are scared shitless of teams because of that reason they just don't want to do they just want solo agents everywhere they don't want teams because because of this right here well it all started when a um, purple bricks agent left purple bricks which by the way guys is is like a hybrid between um, you know an agency and, and salaried people and they said that because of whatever their system was of paying their agent that they were really employees, right? 
they were truly employees. And there's a lot of rules, right? When you have employees, you have to give them a certain amount of breaks. You have to give them a lunch break. You're not allowed to make them work their lunch. You have to pay them overtime, especially in like California, right? I mean, you have to have paid leave. You know, you got to reimburse them for their cell phone if they're using their cell phone for work business. There's a lot of rules that protect employees, right? So that you can't run a sweat. It all comes from, you know, when people ran sweatshops and had child labor and, you know, made people, you know, it was unfair. So if, if they're truly an employee of Purple Bricks, well, how come they didn't get lunch breaks? How come you didn't pay for her cell phone? So she's suing them. And then it kind of unraveled a bunch of other uh, things. And the the entire state of California now is uh, in question. Yeah, it's it's crazy times. And, you know, my guess too, not not too dissimilar from the last case we just, we kind of, you opened up with is it's probably got a, it's probably got a while to shake out. Who knows what's going to happen you know, I'll just speak from the from somebody who runs an active team today, and where we invest quite a bit of money into our to our sales business and, and sell a lot of houses and have a lot of agents on, on our team. Um, you know, we consulted with some really I'm going to say expensive attorneys and really good attorneys a couple of years ago in in a similar related matter, and ended up coming up with a completely different agreement, like a team agreement. I mean, we paid a lot of money, Pat, like I, not from a bragging standpoint, but almost from, I can't believe I paid that much money for a piece of paper um, to, have <laughs> our, <laughs> to have our new team agreement drawn up. And it's actually not even called the team agreement. It's called, uh, we call it a fee and participation agreement mm. because we're really talking about how we're splitting referral money. And uh, there is understanding for the broker. And this is something, you know, a lot of team members like team agents, team leaders share their team agreements. I, I don't share mine, not because I don't like to share, but because mine's written specifically for me. And, uh, you know, we spent north of five figures to, to get this. And it, we, our, lawyer, our lawyers, I should say, were really conscious of this. And it changed a lot of what we do, man. We, we, we don't require, we don't require most stuff that we used to require anymore and not only do we not say it we i mean it's in writing like basically the requirement the quote unquote requirements are 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 in line with the law because of this because we just don't want to get smacked with something like this yeah you really can't tell them what to do i mean if you do then you got to make an employees you got to pay the taxes right you got to set them all up like that which is fine but the, the whole world is changing with this. You know, I know, so I, I know some companies now that, uh, you know, they have a, a force of 50, 60 people on the, in the company. They're all independent contractors. They're all working virtually and, and all that. And you got to question, you know, uh, you know, is that whole, the whole reason for making people employees versus independent contractors was to protect employees. And, and uh, so that whole thing is, is, is becoming grayer and grayer or not being made clear. You know, no one's really going after that. I know of, you know, the, the rise of independent contractors. Yeah. It's interesting times, man. I'll tell you, let's, this one was funny. I, you know, you and I started talking about, there's all these lists that come out every year, right, Pat? And uh, like, this is the, the top agent, the top brokerage, right? And the top firms and, and all this stuff. And this next story really caught my eye and quite honestly gave me a little bit of chuckle, uh, a little bit to laugh at because uh, of 
all the different qualifications. So who, who makes certain lists and who's number one versus who's number number ten? But this, uh, have you seen this feud between uh, Stefan Swanepoel's firm? And <laughs> yeah, Steve I, it's funny. It's funny how it, you know this is how we think alike. It's funny how you said you laughed at it because my first reaction when I saw the headline, you know, Stefan Swanepoel and Steve Murray going head to head. I, I I laughed too, man. I was like, "Come on, man!" I was like, "What?" And and uh, I guess that's good competition. But what is it, what Kevin's talking about is real trends, right? Real trends, and then um, uh, Swanepoel's T three or what the hell is it called? T three sixty. It used to be just called Swanepoel. Yeah, it was like the Swanepoel mega list before, and then it's got like this T3, uh, I forget what name they're, they're using today, but you know what I, I find it really funny is you got these two guys, by the way, I met them both individually, um, have had a conversation with, with each of them more than one time, very nice gentlemen, and I, I don't know, I, I don't get what this, this spot, like, they both have their lists, like, they, like, they make the qualifications for their own list. This isn't too much different than, say, like the Inman Innovator of the Year or the Inman uh, in Most Influential on Real Estate list. Like, they made the criteria, and then they got to go put the people or the brokerages or the firms on the list, and then they published it, right? And so they're, they're basically – it's like, uh, you know, it's like, hey, I want to be able to certify left-handed buyer's agents, and so I just, I'm going to create the left-handed buyer agent certification program. And I don't know who certified them to make them able to certify everybody else. But it, it, to me, it kind of strikes me that it's funny. Like everybody enjoys the list. It's nice to see the numbers and see where you rank amongst your peers. And it's, it's kind of funny though. that they're bickering. I mean, what are they bickering yeah, about? Because you're right, right? It, it's, it's like they're picking, it, they're, you know, Swanepoel came out, it was like 15 different lists. Like I was going through it, I'm like, Jesus, what, what, who sold the most freaking houses? Like, I mean, and then they mix it up with like franchises, right? So that like, you know, you'll look at the list and you say, okay, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm halfway down the list and I don't see, you know, Remax or Keller Williams. And then you finally see one and it's like, Oh, that's a couple regions of Keller Williams that merged together and formed this region. So they're on the list. Why can't you just put like every single Keller Williams sale, every single Remax sale, right? And and compare it that way. I, as far as I know, I can't see a list like that. It'd be too easy to do that, Pat. I don't know, man. Uh, and you know, I, my my hunch is that they're trying to differentiate between. Uh, what's actually one brokerage and has the same ownership versus what's a franchise system, you know, because you can have, you know, three Remaxes or three Keller Williams and, and you got three different owners, right? Or you can have one guy at, at KW or Remax that owns five of them. And so then they go and bunch that group together. I don't really get what, who knows what their criteria is uh, for making these lists. I mean, this is after all, like, like, like I mean, think about it. Like they call this, and Keller Williams, when I was at Keller Williams agents before I left, they called this the, the language of real estate, right? So you take the trends, here's what's going on in my market, or in this case, my industry, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look for uh, how, do I, how, do I, uh, how do I compare to the average? How do I compare to all of my peers? And they're like, let me go find the one or two things that where I'm like, I'm winning, and everyone else is going this way, but I'm going, I'm going up, right? And so... Like we're just we're just moving numbers around. Like it's a freaking list. This is this is to, to me. This is like the the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's a museum. 
This is just something to look at. Right. We're, we're patting people on the back. Good job. Listen, everybody on that list had a great year last year. No one's taking them away from it. But, like, this isn't anything official. Like, no one's going to the White House. Like, no one's getting invited to the White House for dinner or for McDonald's <laughs> or whatever they serve there uh, over the freaking Swanapol or the Real Trends or the Kaufman uh, Hyben. Yeah, the Kaufman Hyben left-handed uh, real yeah. estate agents of the world. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating, you know. And I think probably part of the issue lies and there's no universal MLS, right? If you had a universal MLS, you should be able to see, you know, like who actually sold the most houses. Cause they're saying like, like one of the things they're fighting over is like, Oh, well, certain people didn't report. And then Steve Murray says, well, you know, um, the real trends found their numbers. How come you can't find them Swanee and Swanee's like, well, they weren't reporting. And, and like, what's big deal guys. Like, here's what I don't understand. Why don't, they use like broker metrics to find if broker metrics can find stats for brokers on every single agent that sold a house. Why can't they use something like that to calculate these versus, you know, comp only having companies that submitted things to them it, it, that and, and why can't they group them all together? Why can't they just say, you know, who sold more houses, Remax or Keller Williams? None of these lists will even tell you, you know what I mean? Like as a company, as a corporate, as a corporate sort of thing. Plenty of people make a decent living selling real estate, but how many manage to make millions to become a millionaire? Imagine how much more profitable your business would be if you had the chance to learn from someone who actually made their millions selling real estate. Rebus University instructors know what it takes to build a highly successful, highly lucrative real estate business because they've done exactly that. These self-made real estate millionaires spent years in the trenches identifying exactly what works in today's markets. And that's exactly what they teach. Right now, we're running a seven-day trial on Rebus University's all-access package. For just $7, you can get access to every course. Every millionaire real estate instructor, there's over 40 of them, 40 millionaire real estate instructors that Rebus University has to offer. You have access to all of them. To start your seven-day free trial for only 7 bucks, go to futureofrealestatetraining.com. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com or text Trial, T-R-I-A-L, to 444-999. That's trial to 444-999. Truthfully, I don't think the data is available. I think it's so much of a mess that it's not genuinely available and I don't think anybody can really get the real numbers because when you take into consideration, well, what if you represented a buyer on a, on a new, new home build and it didn't hit the MLS, right? Where does that get, how do you record that? And, and I think that there's just so much of these claims. Most of these firms, especially get really big, Keller Williams, Remax, uh, EXP, Prudential, whatever, uh, Home Services of America, these companies get really big. They can't track everything. I mean, they can't even track their agent rosters, right? They can't track every single transaction that's really happening. And what, what if, you know, in our industries, you know, people change brokerages all the time. 
So what if I'm at one brokerage this month and another brokerage next month, you know, for half the year and half the year, you're just splitting my sales in half. Like, how do you know? And so I, I think that's, um, I, I think the reality is, is they're bickering over, over nothing. Like they, they, well, here's, a, here's a question I got for you, Kevin, if you can answer this, honestly, how much do these, how much are these lists political? Like, how much of this is pay to play? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like these guys, you know, really should, uh, what do you call, excuse themselves from speaking at, at Remax, at Keller Williams, at EXP, international, you know, conventions. They should, they should not go fishing with the CEOs. They should not, you know, they should just not have any sort of political ties to the owners of these companies or the people in these companies. I, I know they, they all have things like, um, well, quite frankly, like Steve Murray, he will do an appraisal on your real estate company to tell you what it's worth so that you can sell it. And Keller Williams recommends him, right, for all their offices. So he gets a lot of business for Keller Williams, so he wants to make sure that they're, you know, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying he does, right? I'm not, I'm not saying he does. My question is, do you think he does? Or do you think that, if Swanepoel's having an event and he invites all these people to the gathering of Eagles or, or, or whatever his event is called and a bunch of agents from let's say long and foster show up or ABC real estate or whatever, you know, that he's going to um, make sure that they're showing up on a list and properly represent how much is pay to play? How much politics are involved in these lists? Do you think? Pro probably Probably not much more than like 99% is my guess. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the reality is like th these lists are made up so people can have some marketing material. I mean, that's, that's what this is. This, these lists are made up and yeah, you know, I'm, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Like, like I said, I've met Stefan and Steve both on multiple occasions, both genuinely nice people. Uh, and I've also seen them when I was a Keller Williams agent. Um, I've, been in I, I chatted with both of them at official Keller Williams events like Stefan was a speaker we all got a copy of his book you know Steve was I was introduced to speak to Steve by a former yeah. Keller Williams CEO uh and and that's where you know you know Steve's a great guy I got to have lunch with him one time he's, he's got a ton of stories and and you know I know that both of these guys and these other companies too they've all got serious personal relationships with people at all these different companies and so I'm going to say that truthfully, none of them, I don't think you can be the authority on this thing or that thing, personal relationships mixed. I just, I just don't think you can mix those up. I, I think there's, it's too much crossing the line to take it as the authority. There's got to be a company, like who owns broker metrics? You know that? Have you ever used it? I've seen it. Oh, no, I don't know how to log in. I can't figure it out. Uh, I couldn't figure it out. I've had an account before. could not figure it out. Yeah, okay, well, you know, there's software you can buy that, that, that will tell you, you know, who's selling what. And then you could call them. You can call the agents. It's a prospecting tool. You, call, you, you own a prudential office and you call the agent and say, Kevin, congratulations. You sold $7 million, $7.2 million last year. And a year before you sold 5.6. I see you're on the upswing. Let's get together and talk about it for coffee. Then you crude them over to Prudential. So if they can figure that out on the on the local level, I don't see why a, a larger company can't figure it out and and just do a list based on analytics. You know, without. So I I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but I'll tell you what I'll, I'll tell you why I think you can't find that. 
I think having that hard to find and locate uh, and bringing back in your point of if we just had a national MLS, this would be easy. I think those are the, those are the things that keep our industry, I'm going to say, protected for the time being from some of these massive tech companies. I think that's actually the wall of confusion that our industry has built very purposefully, that our board of realtors, local board of realtors have built very purposefully to be able to keep some of these uh, predators, if you will, of our industry out. Hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. All right, man. Well, what else we got in the news here? So I know, I know we're running short on time, but one, one quick thing I thought worth, you know, as, as real estate agents, we got to know when stuff like this happens, there's a, a seller, somebody who sold a home, who sued, cold, is he is in the process of suing Coldwell Banker and NRT for cold calls. So he, he's just fed up and he decided to take NRT, which is the wholly owned uh, division of Realogy and Coldwell Banker Real Estate uh, to court over literally over cold calls i mean this is a company with like ninety thousand agents and this guy's in uh tustin california i mean how do you do that what do you how do you sue someone for call what they just he's alleging that they violated the telephone consumer protection act uh which prohibits people from making unsolicited kind of like the auto dialer calls to consumers. yeah well they probably did but oh yeah but, but the entity in itself i believe has a as a, has a fine built in right you don't sue somebody for that you just I mean, I mean, even if the person did, right, then they get fined, and then they pay the fine, and that's it. Yeah, dude, the fact that it could actually get to, to so they're like, hey, yeah, you can file the suit. I mean, who knows if it'll get thrown out or not. But Maybe the, maybe the system doesn't work. I remember when it first came out, that do not call system, you know, they would always say, the fine is $11,000. It's an odd number. Yeah. And, um, I, but I never knew anybody that got called. And then it, and they kind of faded out after a couple of years, and now robocalling you know, is, I mean, geez. I, mean, it's I feel like mess. it's at an all-time high. I feel like it's at Definitely. High. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think people are just fed up with it. Uh, realtors and real estate companies might just be an easy target. They think of us, uh, you know, I think the general public thinks of realtors as they make a lot of money, they shouldn't be doing this, and uh, so let's go after real estate companies because uh, maybe, we can, we, maybe we can hurt them where it counts, which is in the pocketbook. Yeah, all kinds of stuff, man. Everybody's fighting. Everybody's coming after the agents, man. I just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Crazy more times. Than, more than ever before. Everybody's coming after each other. Everybody's coming after the agents. There's a lot of stress out there. No doubt. Well, and I think, uh, I think that wraps us up. Like, there's, there's, a bit of, there's been enough good news for one week, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Everybody's listening to this going, man, no wonder Kevin got the flu. It's all that stressful things he talks about on the show you know <laughs> real estate's not for the week not for the week my man. <laughs> all right boss okay so next week you know i have a uh, gathering i have a business meeting with my uh, for about my other company go abundance and so i um i'm going to be stuck in in that in those meeting all day that tuesday so tuesday and wednesday so you got uh, a special co-host coming on right yeah, so I'm I'm excited for this one, man. Meet Kevin. We're gonna have, this is Kevin times two next week. So yeah, Meet double Kevin. Kevin. This is the guy that got thrown out of Grant Cardone's office. So you you can ask him about it, but his his lawyer probably told him not to talk about it. But uh, 
you know, he's all about real estate. Great guy, speaks his mind, opinionated, and uh, but also, you know, savvy on the news and savvy on what's going on with the industry and how he feels. So, uh, so it'll be an interesting show. I'm stoked, man. When I saw your text come come over uh, with the introduction, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun one. We're, Kevin and I are going to have a lot of fun next time. <laughs> All right, boss. We'll do it right, and uh, I, will, um, I will see you the week after. Right on, brother. Take it easy. Have a, have a great time, and uh, we'll chat again soon. And uh, Rockstar Nation, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning into the State of the Market Podcast with your host, Pat Hyben and Kevin Kaufman. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Market. If you have any news you would like us to cover, please go to Next Level Agents on Facebook or send an email to info at rebusuniversity.com. That's info at rebusuniversity, R-E-B-U-S, university.com, and we'll be sure to bring it up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.